Would you like to live a happier, healthier, and more fulfilled life? Cultures from all over our planet have been addressing that concern for thousands of years, and their answers can help you in your life today. Welcome to The Sweet Spot, where healing, spirituality, and culture meet. Join anthropologist and healer Robert Better as he introduces you to healing and spirituality in world cultures. Here's the host of your show, Robert Better. Greetings, everybody. I'm here today again with Sandra Ingerman in our interview part two. So in part one, Sandra took us along for a ride where we got to understand a little bit more about the foundational experiences that she had. And today we're going to go a little further. So Sandra, welcome back. Thank you, Bob. And thank you, everybody. Um, It's a delight to be with you again. And there were so many things, so many really interesting points that I think that you brought up in our first interview. During the second one, I'm hoping that you can introduce us to some of the mentors and the teachers who have been most significant for you and, and how you how you were shaped by them, what you learned from them, because I, I know that you've had some significant teachers. So I'll let you take it in whatever direction you'd like, Sandra. Yeah, so, you know, in my own life, um, my parents worked a lot. Both of my parents had, had to work to put food on the table. So I was one of those kids who really learned. Um, I was born with an incredible sense of independence, first of all. So I really don't know how I would have done in a family where there was a lot of controlling going on, you know, um, uh, a lot of people grew up with parents uh, who always stood over them the second they came back from school. You know, in Brooklyn, you heard the screaming coming out of um, different houses as parents were trying to get their kids to do their homework. And I just didn't have that. So I was always very independent. And I was born like that. My mother died at the age of 98 and a half. And every day, and she was with me the last four years of her life, she would tell my husband every day, you could never tell Sandra what to do in her life, ever, ever. So the path of shamanism was perfect for me because the path as I was taught it, it was taught as a path of direct revelation where you didn't work with the human teacher. You only worked with the helping spirits to get your guidance. So I was introduced to shamanic journeying by Michael Harner and I I helped him create his organization and I was the educational director for 12 years. But again, as I'm very independent and as he um, asked me to ask all my own questions to the helping spirits, in all my years of knowing Michael, he never answered one question for me, no matter how big it was. So he was a mentor for me in, you don't need a human teacher. You just need to work with your helping spirits and they'll teach teach you everything. And they did. And we had to go our separate ways because the spirits taught me different ceremonies, different ways of teaching journeying 
that were very different than what he was teaching. I, I teach the work in a, a very different way. And I also studied a little bit um, of the Weichel uh, way with Prem Das. Um, he uh, had been working with a hundred year old shaman down in Mexico. And the, I love the Weichel way of working. It didn't call to me. It was not a path that I ended up continuing. But the beauty of it was um, part of our work was doing a vision quest. And that vision quest took us to Mount Shasta. And Mount Shasta was a place that I um, lived on and off in the 1970s and actually had spiritual experiences there too. And going back to Mount Shasta was an incredible, incredible blessing because she ended up becoming a mentor for me in my life. And the thing that one has to understand about shamanic journeying is it is your helping spirits who are your mentors. You actually don't work with human teachers. Um, of course, we work with teachers to introduce us to the path, but once you're on the path, it truly, shamanic journeying is truly a path of direct revelation where you go back to your helping spirits for every single question that you have about your life, about working with your clients, about being a vessel, about being a hollow bone for them. And I did have um, a very important mentor, um, Angeles Arian. Um, I went to a graduate school, the California Institute of Integral Studies, and Michael and Angie uh, taught at that school. So I learned shamanic journeying while I was enrolled for my master's program. And I learned how to read the tarot cards from Angelis um, exactly the same time I started my path uh, with shamanism. And the tarot has so much incredible esoteric knowledge. And Angie was such a brilliant guide. She's deceased now, but she was really a brilliant guide. And she was really there for me. And really helped to shape me um, into the teacher that I am today because she was a, a, a brilliant teacher herself. And so she helped me uh, with that. I also had some teachers at the California Institute of Integral Studies that were into some very beautiful counseling work that was all about um, uh, teaching about the power of healing an individual through the use of unconditional love by just holding a person in unconditional love and not trying to, as I said in the last interview, not trying to do anything but hold the space to um, help a person understand how much love is available to them in the universe. 
and and I got that love. And that was amazing because I was able to pass that on to my students. Um, in my 40 years of teaching, um, whether it's to been to my benefit or to my demise, I can't say. But the thing I learned was for myself is to be held in such love um, by a teacher in your life, by having so much support, how that helps you drop into your own power and how that helps you drop into your own strength and your own wisdom to bring forth is invaluable. So the people who I would say actually were my greatest mentors in what I share in the world today are people who I actually never talk about and people who are not known um, in the public. They never wrote books. They never got out into the public world, but they really, really lived. This was not fake. They were too men who absolutely positively lived in unconditional love for every single being on this great earth um, 24-7. And I had them as teachers at a very critical time in my life when I was quite suicidal. And to have that gift given to me um, by teachers I've passed that on for my last 40 years. So it's an interesting topic to talk about mentors because oftentimes we pick um, who was well-known, who was talked about, but we forget that people in our lives who act like just regular people in the world sometimes carry the greatest power in how they shaped our lives. Absolutely. What, what a beautiful way to look at it. Um, I'd like to back up if you don't mind and ask you to talk a little bit about the difference between the way that you came to teach and what you learned from Michael Harner, because I mean, it, you know, in, in terms of the topic of American shamanism, Michael was such a, a foundational figure and you're such an important foundational figure, somebody that, that people often refer to. And I'm just curious about that, not how you left him, but more the topic of the way that, that you, uh, that you uh, practice this art of, sh of shamanism in your way and in, in what way was is the approach to shamanism different yeah i can definitely uh talk about that there's some very very key differences um michael was a pioneer and and pioneers are amazing and of course we want to give them um credit for their bravery and their courage of bringing something non-ordinary into a very ordinary world um, as we live in um, today. And so he did the best that he could to translate a cross-cultural practice into a Western world. 
but he teaches the practice of shamanic journeying as a passive practice of lying down and um, putting something over your eyes. And he focused on visualizing. And um, I never visualized from my very first workshop that I ever taught. I'm clairaudient and I'm clairsentient, meaning I hear the spirits more than I don't see in my journeys. And I feel the information in my bones. Um, and uh, we live in a visual culture. And so people get stuck on wanting to see TV and movies. And that's not what shamanic journeying is about. So when I teach shamanic journeying, I teach people to dance and rattle and sing um, and drum for themselves, but not to lie down unless you're one of those people that it really works for, which it doesn't work for that many people in our culture. We're too distracted. We're too stressed out. We're too tired. You give people 15 minutes to lie down, they just go to sleep. So... I teach shamanic journeying as an embodied practice. I had a, a really dear friend um, back in the uh, 80s uh, who was Hopi and he took a workshop with me and I asked him what he thought about the workshop and he said, I loved it. But the difference between the way the Hopi journey and the way you journey is the Hopi take their bodies with them and that was in the 1980s. And so that shaped the rest of my practice and the rest of my teaching, because how shamanic journeying is being taught today is as a disembodied practice. And it's just creating um, more dissociation in people who aren't happy with their lives here on earth. And so they just wanna lie down and dissociate and go into this beautiful spirit world where everything is love and everything is beauty and everything is deep wisdom being shared. Of course, that's wonderful. But shamanism was always a very active process and shamans actually take their bodies into the unseen realms where they actually um, talk to spirits, just like you going up to somebody um, in a, a store or meeting somebody. Those are real conversations. And if you dance and sing and drum and rattle and bring your body into those worlds, it's amazing the difference of the experience than watching your journeys as a movie. Um, I also um, am very, very into ceremonial work. Um, and Michael didn't believe in ceremony um, because of his religious upbringing. And I love ceremony and ceremony is the core practice for shamans to vehicle of change. This is how shamans create change is through performing ceremonies. So, I teach that shamanic journeying is one ceremony that ceremonies perform, that shamans perform. But I love to teach um, ceremonial work of 
how to release pain and illness from your life and trauma and past hurts and old sacred contracts, how to do perform ceremonies with the different elements to bring in um, the goodness of life, the job that you want, the relationship that you want, the body that you want, the health that you want, the planet that you want to live in, how to honor the transitions of life. Every time we go through a change, no matter how small the change is, in shamanism that's seen as an initiation, and the more that you can bring ceremonial work in every time a change happens in your life, it brings you to a place of strength and to a place of empowerment and to a place of feeling completely centered. So ceremonial work became more of a core of my teaching than even shamanic journeying was and then, of course, in the year 2000, I wrote um, Medicine for the Earth, which the spirits gave me an incredible body of knowledge on how to transform personal and environmental pollution using spiritual methods. So my work really um, diverged from what other people were teaching because I teached um, um, a form of shamanism that was much more embodied. And I feel that that's what people need right now is to get into their bodies and to use nature as a doorway into a higher realm of living and into a higher realm of consciousness. And um, this is part of shamanic life. So I teach more of shamanism as a way of life versus a series of methods and techniques. And again, I bring in more of the feminine principle that using shamanism to change yourself and to evolve and become a uh, um, a being that holds a higher state of consciousness and walks through the world uh, shining one's light. Um, no matter what you're doing, if you're stuck in traffic or stuck in a line somewhere and losing your patience, the power of shining your light. Um, so for me, shamanism is a way of life. It's not methods that we do. It's the ceremonial work that we perform and who we become and how we live. And that's work that um, is something that's so important to me and is the focus of what I bring out into the world and is the focus on what I work on in my own spiritual path. So I, I'm curious, just to go back one one moment to this this diversion to to you uh, going your own way and reflect back on Michael Harner's work. And as you as you mentioned, Michael Harner um, brought anthropology in a way into into the popular culture, and 
in his work with the Hivero, I mean, clearly these were people who considered ceremony really, really important, you know, and, and in fact, in, in all indigenous cultures, that ceremony is so important. And I'm just curious if you had, have any insight about him wanting to leave that out of the, the work that he wanted to bring to the world. Yeah, it was very simple. He was very clear with me. It was his religious upbringing. He, he, he hated ceremony. He, he, um, it was a part of his religious life that he was brought up with that he rejected. And that happens in our culture. I, I wrote a book, The Book of Ceremony. I teach workshops um, on performing ceremonies and how to lead ceremonies in your community. It's very important to me to teach people how to lead ceremonies in their community, to help people in their communities learn tools, um, really simple ways to transform ceremony is, is really um, beautiful. But just like Michael, it's amazing how many students say because of the church services they went to and how particular ceremonies were forced upon them, they, they don't have the love of performing ceremonies like I do. But my students hang in with me and they see the difference. Um, Michael, you know, he, when I met him, he was an elder and, and an anthropologist and he, he taught what he came here to teach the world. But all of us only bring one piece of the puzzle. There is no person on the planet who holds all the pieces of the puzzle. So everything we contribute is one piece. And Michael brought one piece of the puzzle. It was a big piece. Um, and a lot of people have worked on that piece to re-sculpt it. Um, and that's what we all do. My students have surpassed me and are re-sculpting my work to make it more powerful. And that's how the practice has evolved over time. And that is a beautiful point to end with because it's kind of leads us into the direction that we will share in our third and final interview. So Sandra, I want to take you, I want to thank you so much for what you've shared with us, us during this particular interview and look forward to the next one. Thank you, Bob. And thank you everybody for listening. This has been Healing and Spirituality in World Cultures with Robert Vetter. Thanks for listening. Please rate, subscribe, and share with everyone you know who might benefit from these messages. Until next time, remember, be kind and loving to yourself and others. Together, we can heal ourselves and help build a better world.